0: to the Christian life than going to church and reading your Bible. If you've ever wondered just how involved God is in your everyday life, then you've come to the right place. Join me, Pastor Tom Marsis, and Vicar Jason Com as we take an in-depth look at applying the scriptures to our daily lives, to the Ten Commandments, baptism, the Lord's Prayer, and more. Welcome to Living the Faith. Welcome to Living the Faith Podcast, Episode 6, No Other Gods. My name is Pastor Tom Marsis, Senior Pastor of Zion Lutheran Church. And I'm Vicar Jason Com. And we're glad that you're with us this week as we continue our look at applying the Scriptures to our daily lives and how it impacts who and what we are as Christians of faith. This week, we look to the First Commandment, and we're going to talk about idols and false gods and the difference in our own society that there are more false gods than you might think. As we step back and begin, let's look at the structure, I think, a little bit of the Ten Commandments themselves. And what is interesting in Jesus' own ministry, uh, the Pharisees and teachers of the law came trying to trick Jesus to see if they could somehow make him stumble and asked him the question, what is the greatest of the commandments? Jesus gives that answer in Matthew chapter 22 when he says, "'Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul.'" And he paused and then said, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And in that simple uh, three-passage section, Jesus summarizes the entire Ten Commandments and the law and uh, really put them in the place where they weren't able to say that as we divide in the commandments. So how do we view the Ten Commandments? We know that they come from Exodus chapter 20, uh, and where exactly and when exactly did God give them to his people?
1: Well, when we think back to Exodus chapter 20— think back to Moses being up on Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights, just him in the presence of God on the top of this mountain. And at the end of his time up there, God gave him the Ten Commandments himself with his own handwriting, gave him these two tablets of stone with these commands written on them. And thus, this became the law for Israel to follow, kind of the bar that they had to meet in order to rightly be God's people. And in reading over these Ten Commandments, like the first one, you shall have no other gods. The second one, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, and so on. I don't know if love is the first thing that comes to mind um, in our heads, and maybe even the heads of the readers at the time, in um, Israel itself. Uh, it could just seem that God is just making up these rules from the follow just so that they don't get in trouble. But Jesus reshapes our ability to perceive the law by revealing that it actually is all about love. It's about loving God and loving each other. And so the Ten Commandments are actually structured just like that. The First Commandment, the Second Commandment, and the Third Commandment are all about our relationship with God, loving Him, honoring Him, and worshiping Him alone. And then Commandments 4 through 10 the focus is shifted to us loving our neighbor. And so God places a fair amount of emphasis on both, not just loving him above all things, but also treasuring our neighbors and acting in ways that are the best for them. And so Jesus teaches us in that passage from Matthew 22 that it really is all about love.
0: Which is an amazing thing when you stop back and think about that, because many people see the Ten Commandments as God being mean to us as people, takes away all the fun in life, and that uh, somehow we are being punished because we can't live up to this uh, bar that he has set for us, instead of seeing that Really, the Ten Commandments are given to us, his law is given to us, out of his love for us, his concern, his care for us. And as Vicar rightly pointed out, he summarizes that uh, very well in chapter 22 of Matthew. Well, today's topic really is about you shall have no other gods. That's the first commandment. It's found in Exodus chapter 20. It's the first of those commandments. And uh, for us, it's always good to ask the question, and you'll find us doing this as we go throughout this, what does this mean? Uh, And it's always important as we're dealing with not only the context of the truths that we find in scripture, but we really need to ask ourselves, okay, how do we apply these to our daily life? And that's where, what does this mean? Now, one of the ways that we answer that question is we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Uh, I don't know, that might sound a little strange. I, I thought you just said it was about love and now you're telling me we're supposed to fear. Uh, Well, the word fear is not used in that sense here at all. Fear means something totally different.
1: Right. Let's go through this point by point. So starting with fear... By fearing God, it's not necessarily being afraid of him and wanting to be away from him, but it's actually more about respecting God and knowing that God is a lot bigger than we are. We are just human creatures, and God is the creator of all things and knows everything, including everything about us, and he's also the judge of all things, which we should really take seriously because God's judgment is coming, and we don't want to be on the wrong side of that, right? And so that's not just an empty threat that he throws out there, but God really is the creator and the judge of all things. And fearing God in that sense simply means taking him seriously. So not just thinking about his words and going, oh, that's nice, and then not doing anything about them, but actually believing everything that he tells us um, and respecting his identity as our creator and our judge. So that's what it means to fear God above all things. And then the second point of this is to love God above all things, which means that even though God is a lot bigger than us, He loves us. He is our Heavenly Father, and He wants to be with us. And so we see God not as a being to be afraid of, but actually the exact opposite, as the being that we depend on and sacrifice for, for everything. For God has sacrificed so much for us, Um, you know. His own son, of course, but also much more than that. And so we see God as our loving father who provides for us and who cares for us. And then also the last point is trusting in God above all things in which we believe that God really does know what is best for us, even if we can not understand that at all times and just throwing yourself upon his promises because God makes a lot of promises. And again, we're not going to understand or see everything that God is up to in our lives because he is that much bigger than us and just knows so much more than we do. Um, But we still trust that his hand is upon us, guiding us, leading us, and protecting us every step of the way. And so that's what it really means to fear and to love and to trust in God above whatever else in our lives. And it's when we put that fear, love and trust in other things than God, that we can get into trouble.
0: Well, it's really about what's number one in your life. It's easy to say something is number one in your life. Uh, think about it this way, in sporting events, there's a game going on and they pan the crowd and the the kids are jumping up and down, especially at a college game, and they all have their finger up, we're number one, we're number one. Uh, and they're not number one, they're maybe like number 330 or something, who knows? Uh, but you know, it's always easy to say, yes, God is number one, or yes, our fo- football or basketball team is number one. But do we really put things in that order or not? And here, as we start out the commandments, it's about putting God truly first in your life. Uh, what is the most important to us, what we spend the most time with, what makes our biggest concern, that's putting number one. And when we talk about love uh, fear, love, and trust, what's truly that number one uh, in our lives, uh, and that, that's easier said than done, and yet that's exactly what we're supposed to do. And as we go through this commandment here, really, we're, we're seeing a description of ourselves in the fact that we can try we work at it. And yet, do we always put him number one? Uh, we some many times put our job number one, school number one, our spouse number one, our children number one. I mean, we have this revolving door as to what's really number one. And so the reality is that while this is uh, God's call to us uh, to be the first in our life, the reality is that we don't. And it really makes a Reality check for us, a description as to the fact that we're not able to live up to that and perfectly keep it all the time. Uh, We might do it some of the time. Uh, Hopefully, as Christians, we do it most of the time. But the reality is that we don't. And the sin that really starts as the very root of all things is this idolatry of putting other things in our lives, making them more important, making them,
1: in a sense, in a very real sense, the God in our life. This commandment is the first commandment for a good reason. And in a way, it's the most important of them all, because as Pastor Marcus just mentioned, every sin that we do is rooted in putting something before God, whatever that might be. That's kind of what it means to have a God, is to put something else first. And so, if you think of it this way, if we kept this commandment perfectly, if we always feared God, always loved God, and always trusted in God first above everything else, that's all we would need to be perfect. We wouldn't break the other nine commandments if we just followed this one perfectly. Um, but when we break this one, we end up breaking them all. And we do it all the time, whether we realize it or not. But this commandment is actually has a lot of grace for us because as our creator and the one true God, you know, despite all the power that he has over the universe and everything that belongs to him— God knows that only he can truly provide for us for all time and he wants to do that. That's what it, that's what it means for God to be our father. He wants to do this for us even though he doesn't have to. He's not obligated to be our heavenly father and to provide for us, but he wants to keep us away from other gods because he knows that they're all destructive compared to Him, that other gods don't love us compared to Him. Um, Micah says this uh, in Micah chapter 6, but who is is a God like you? No one else is. And so we rejoice in knowing that we have this all-powerful God that is on our side and wants to love us and provide for us.
0: Well, you might be saying, all right, you're talking about all these other things that become gods in our lives. How do we define what is a God? Uh, it's easy in a uh, heathen nation uh, when they have, a, uh, like I said, a stone or a metal or a wooden God. In the Bible, you often hear of uh, the false God Baal or Baal, depending upon how you wanna pronounce it. Uh, but that's an easy thing to say, oh, of course, I'm not going to bow down to this idol. I'm not going to bow down to this wooden or uh, stone god. Obviously, I'm not going to bow down to a Buddha. Uh, that's, that's the easy part. But what is it that's uh, a god in your life? And Martin Luther uh, put it this way, a god is anything you hang on your heart. In other words, where you put your heart is, that's where your god is. And when we really think about that, Uh, There's lots of things that become most important in our life and become gods
1: to us as well. Mm -hmm. And we end up fearing in that, loving that, and trusting that, whatever that may be, above all things. It could be money. It could be sex. It could be power. um, It could be even good things like, you know, your family or relatives or oftentimes even yourself. You know, things that we're supposed to look after. We end up just vaulting over everything else and magnifying that as the most important thing in our lives. And so it could be just about anything, as Pastor Marcia said, not just some idol or a statue that we would bow down to, but really anything in our lives that we view and cherish as most important. And whenever that becomes more of a priority in our lives than the living God, then that's breaking the first commandment. And so we see that even good things in our lives, blessings that God has given us, that can overshadow um, just the importance and love that we have for God in our lives.
0: Well, ask yourself this question, where do I go to to find some security? Where do I go to to find my identity? Where do I go to find the quote unquote meaning of life? And, And wherever we go for those answers, generally is something that we have made a God in our life. And so for security, uh, some people's God of security is a great education. I got to go to the best school, get the best grades, get the best job, and now I have security. Um, As if that becomes the sole and only focus in life and the most important thing in life. And the reality is then that's making it your God. Uh, and the other security is, is finding the right spouse. I mean, if I, uh, I feel the most safe when I have the right spouse and the right house and the right home, and all those things uh, bring me security and in
1: life, and therefore they become the God or idol in my life. And then what about identity? How do people define themselves? How do you see yourself? And with that definition, What do you do with yourself? What do you do with your life? This is a big thing for a lot of us. You know, we want to be popular. We want to have all those promotions at work. We want to be respected and loved by other people. Um... And it's good to, to have these things, but oftentimes we value that most of all. We value ourselves and find identity in ourselves rather than in God as he has desired for us to have. And so those things that we go to to find identity, um, to work out who we are and what we do with our lives, um, that can very easily become a God as well. And then also meaning directly flowing from identity? What gives people purpose in life? You know, what what gets them out of bed in the morning? And why do they do the things that they do? Um, For a Christian, all those things are rooted in God's provision, God's promises, and God's love. But it's very easy to find meaning in other things like, well, life is whatever I'm going to make out of it. It's whatever I want to do with it. And I have the right to do that because I have the right to do that. And so, Those things that we go to for ultimate meeting, the things that drive us, um, if we're not careful, those can very easily become God's in our lives as well. And here's where it gets a little tricky. For us as Christians, is it important
0: that we are in worship? Absolutely. Is it important that we are with the people of God? Absolutely. Is it important that we get together for Bible study and all the other activities related to the church? Absolutely. But the activities, the place, the building, can all become your God. Um, you you are a member of a specific congregation. And that, in and of itself alone, becomes the most important central fact in your life. That, while it's a good thing, becomes can become a God in your life. It's not about uh, the worship that you give to the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but it's about that you have to be in this building, Uh, this manner and this way and all those things uh, twist and turn and and in a very real way you may think you're doing the right thing but in sense making your god your religiosity if there's such a thing as that uh, your god and therefore while you are a christian or claim to be a christian and do the quote-unquote christianly things uh, that in and of itself can become your god and therefore be breaking the first commandment when you think that you're above all people keeping the first commandment. So it it, it can be very tricky because uh, the devil is very subtle as he gets us to twist and turn and question and move in manners that we think we're doing the right thing, but in a sense, he's twisted and turned and uh, uh, put us on our heads, so to speak, related to that commandment. This is one of
1: Satan's favorite strategies for temptation, actually. He will take a blessing, a good thing in our lives, and he'll get us to focus on it too much or to use it in the wrong way. If you think about Jesus' temptation in the wilderness himself, the very first thing that Satan hits him with is, well, hey, if you really are the son of God, turn those stones into bread over there. You're hungry. You need to eat. You need strength and energy. And God wants you to be healthy, right? But Jesus understood that by doing so, he'd be going against God's will for him. And so, Jesus responds with, well, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so, Jesus was aware of what Satan does and and how he likes to attack people. Um, But oftentimes, Satan is so subtle and so sneaky about it that we don't even realize that we're being tempted to misuse something or to put extra stock into something that we shouldn't. And so, it really is something we need to be very careful about and aware of, like on the defensive for um, for Satan's attacks, because they can come out of nowhere. And if you're not prepared uh, to fight against him with God's word, then he'll, he'll strike and lead you astray and get you to put that fear, love, and trust in something to make it a God in your life. And so, if you're not aware of kind of your own personal weaknesses, or what you tend to put that fear, love, and trust in. Um, It's very good for all of us as Christians and as people to evaluate, okay, what are my weaknesses? What do I go toward? And how does God want me to respond to that? I think that's helpful for us all, because it'll help us live better God-pleasing lives in which we hold him as the center of our attention and desire.
0: What's our blind spots? What is it that Satan's attacking? Uh, We all have our pet sins, some we realize, some we don't necessarily realize. And realizing that whatever those pet sins are, those so-called blind spots, the devil's going to use those to try to twist and turn and get us off track and uh, make other things become more important and thus God's inner own lives. So it's very important to work at being self-aware enough to understand these are things that Um, are major temptations for me. They may not necessarily be major temptations for you, and how that impacts then our life of worship and keeping God truly number one in your own life. So it's really by grace alone that we know we're saved. Um, Thank God that it's not dependent on uh, my being aware enough of what I am, am or doing that puts first in my life correctly or not. But it really comes down to God loves us, not because of us, but in many ways very much in spite of us. And that truly is seen in this commandment where it's a command that it's so large that we really can't keep it in and of ourselves. We need that love, that forgiveness, that grace that he gives for in that alone are we able to then see this commandment in a different manner.
1: And God wants us all to himself Because he knows that only he can truly provide for us and give us the love that we need and also save us from our sins. All those false gods in our lives, you know, they may fill us with pleasure. They may give us joy. They may give us that sense of meaning or security or identity, but they're all temporary. Only the living God endures forever. And it's grace that he wants us all to himself because he's the best God for us. He's the only God for us, the only one that can really give us what we need for all of eternity. And so we're going to be trying to pull out these these moments of grace that are found within the commandments. And the one to focus on in the first commandment is that, yes, God is a jealous God, wants us all to himself because he himself is what's best for us, not just today and not just tomorrow, but actually throughout all of time and eternity. And so we rejoice in knowing that we have him as our God, as our loving father, as our creator, as our provider, and as the giver of all good things that no other God can supply. And it's not because he needs us it's because he wants
0: us, and that should be extremely comforting to us. And the difficulty as we uh, draw to a close, our look here at the first commandment, is truly being able to understand that it's not about God being harsh with us, it's not about God being mean, but it's really about his love for us that he desires us, he wants us to be a part of his kingdom, to be a part of his, his life that he's promised for us, instead of uh, somehow being fulfilled by getting us. I mean, that's not what fulfills it. It's, it's truly something that he desires, a grace act, a undeserved love act, that he is bringing us into that loving relationship with him. And as we go through the rest of the commandments in the days and uh, ahead here, uh, being reminded that it's all about God's love for us, not not uh, his uh harshness towards us but it's his love towards us that desires this uh, loving and caring relationship that we have with him well as you dive deeper in this week uh in looking at the first commandment you shall have no other gods uh, we hope that it's a blessing to you as we you again and again and again are reminded of number one first of all who the true god is and number two of his great love for you as we turn to his word and promise for guidance strength and direction We hope to uh, be able to visit with you again next week and ask the Lord's blessings on your continued studies this week, diving into the scriptures, your reflections on living the faith. Lord's blessings.
1: Thanks for joining us on our Living the Faith podcast this week. This podcast is a ministry of Zion Lutheran Church in Bismarck, North Dakota. To contact us, learn more, Or for more resources on our journey this year, please visit zionbismarck.org, or find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. This podcast was made possible by a grant from Lutheran Church Extension Fund. We thank them for their support. Please join me in prayer as we begin our new week. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life through jesus christ your son our lord who lives and reigns with you in the holy spirit one god now and forever amen thanks again for listening tune in next time as we continue learning how god's truth in the scriptures applies to our daily life god bless your reading this week